if you have five-star employees, you've basically worked yourself out of a job because you've got people who are doing the work better than you and they're taking the ball and they're running with it. Um, and so then I think, you know, one of my friends said, oh, I've worked myself out of a job. I was like, no, you've worked yourself into the best job because now you can just love and nurture and take care of your people and go all in on them. And when you do that, they'll go all in on you. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders tend to shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host as always, Jeff Ma, and we're here to have conversations with real people and hear stories about real businesses. And my guest today has cracked the code on recruiting, hiring, and retaining what she calls five-star employees, the dedicated game changers that really carry a company's core values with them and have the qualities and skills that really make a difference. While running and scaling several companies, she has also spent the last decade developing and proving the all-in company community, which helps other entrepreneurs in attracting and hiring five-star employees. She's authored the book, The Rapid Read Guide to the Five-Star Employee Rating System, and hosts the Profit First Nation podcast. Welcome to the show, Danielle Mulvey. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. And I love your background, the all-in company. I'm going to get to that for sure. Um, but I want to start with you on a very much more personal note. Um, something I always am curious about every person I meet is uh, it starts with passion. I think passion is important in life and I always want to know what drives people. So Danielle, what is, what is your passion? What is your purpose? Well, I, you know, I think my, my passion is helping other people just be confident about what they're doing and sharing their gifts and talents uh, with the world and realizing that they are worth more than they think. Um, and I think we all just need like cheerleaders in our corner. And uh, funny is I was a cheerleader um, in high school and, uh, and, and in college too and such. So I've just always had this like cheering on people aspect about things and such. So I really love working with other entrepreneurs and just, I, I get it. There's ups and downs, twists and turns. Sometimes you're upside down being an entrepreneur. And so, uh, you know, it's just kind of getting, getting us through that and getting us to, to, to realize, you know, why we're here and what we should be doing. Can you share a little bit about your, I guess, journey? I know that it, uh, I read up on you and there's many, many steps along the way, but many years, could you give yes. kind of, could you give kind of the, the, the cliffs notes on kind of what got you to what you're doing to today? Absolutely. So at the ripe old age of 25, which was almost 25 years ago, I started my first business. It was an advertising and marketing firm in Nashville. And we grew fast, quickly. We were doing over a million dollars back then um, in our first year in business and, and growing. And um, I was 25. So my hiring strategy was to hire people younger than me, because if they were younger than me, they had no other professional experience necessarily to compare me against and such. So, uh, that was, that was my strategy and it worked out, you know, my first few hires were, were pretty good. And then, um, I hired someone and, uh, this individual, I'll just refer to him as Jr. Uh, I woke up one Monday morning and was like, 
can I call in sick to my own company? Because I did not want to go in on that Monday morning and face and deal with JR for another week. He was making me miserable. I know he was annoying my staff. And that's when I was just like, okay, I need to get serious and, and grow up about hiring and understand what I need to do because I don't want to hire another JR again. And so really that was the moment that has just set me on this obsession with, uh, hiring the best employees. And, and at the time, you know, back then this is, uh, late nineties. I mean, GE's still, you know, one of the most admired companies in America, Jack Welch is running it. And, uh, he was following top grading. So I just dove all in on top grading and, uh, and, and really, you know, kind of learned that that was a whole like a, B and C employee and such. Um, but a lot has changed. I mean, um, top grading hasn't changed. And, and over the last 25 years, uh, you know, we've got the internet, we've got automation, we've got applicant tracking systems, we've got a lot of different things. And so I have evolved my recruiting and hiring process to leverage technology, leverage smart ways about doing things and, and such. And so that's where I am today. Um, and uh, I, I am the host of the official Profit First podcast, Profit First Nation. Profit First was written by Mike Michalowicz. We're obviously good friends. And, uh, and, and, and we both actually were like big top grading fans back in, in the late 90s and such. Um, and uh, Mike's books are sort of an evolution of like what the entrepreneur is, is going and his readership and such. So actually we're collaborating on his next book that'll come out in December, 2023, tentatively titled all in how to get your employees to act like owners. And, and, and we're, a lot of it is about, you know, having the right people in the organization and, and how do you find those right people? Uh, what we, what we've coined the five-star employee for your organization. So that's, that's been my 25 year journey. <laughs> I love it. And I think we can all relate to JR, I guess, or the experience of JR in one way or the other. So Let's dive into it. What is a five-star employee? Yeah, a five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market for the role at the given rate. So that means one out of seven candidates is a potential five-star employee. So it becomes a numbers game when you're looking at recruiting and hiring five-star employees. I mean, you need to have at least 25 applicants to have three potential five-star candidates. And so what we, what we find most often with entrepreneurs and Hey, I've been there, done that, you know, like Jr landed on my doorstep. He had a pulse. He had the degree of graphic design. You know, he was, he was uh, actually, oh my gosh, he was a, um, the brother of someone, um, one of my friends from college, and he was a fraternity brother of one of my employees. So it's like, oh, this should be like a no brainer and such, but, um, but, but obviously it wasn't. So um, it's really understanding exactly what you need for the role. And so we actually have a five-star employee rating system that helps you objectively assess your, your, your known talent and, and potential talent for each role. So one of the things that I see in recruitment, as you mentioned, with more technology and more accessible tools and things like that. Um, you mentioned the term numbers game. And I think 
part of the problem that I often see is that um, a lot of times the numbers game removes the kind of human element out of it, or it, it looks at a lot of factors which are important skills, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but you're not always getting, you know, the fit or the 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 values across, or just the, you know, just the behaviors of a person that, like, the way they're going to act or treat others. Um, so obviously, being love as a business strategy here, what, um, how does that play into your you know, five-star rating system. Oh my gosh. Love plays into it in, in so many different factors. Um, and, and the first thing is, is that you want to get someone who loves what they're doing. All right. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're, that, that when you hire someone, it is a really good fit for them. And it's not just, you know, they applied to a job and, 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 and are going to be collecting a paycheck. So here's an example. Um, I'm a five-star entrepreneur but um, I am a two-star bookkeeper. I could get a job tomorrow as a bookkeeper, no problem. I could sell my skills, say I'm a bookkeeper and I could get hired as a bookkeeper, but I would be a two-star bookkeeper because I, I don't love bookkeeping. I can do it, but I don't love it. Um, and so I would be a bad hire because although I say I can do it and although I have the skills to do it, I wouldn't love what I was doing. So I wouldn't be a five-star bookkeeper. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think love for the work, love for the roles and, and the job is, is paramount. Also, I'm curious though, is what about love for each other? Or I guess um, the environment and things like that, that really, the things that really make up culture, because I, I know, I don't know JR, but a lot of what JR did wrong that uh, that made you not want to go into work that morning was not necessarily the reports he filled out or, you know, it's probably more likely the way he talked to you and the way he responded. Exactly. How does that, how does that factor in, I guess? So, 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 so there's five criteria in the five-star employee rating system. And the first one is probably the most important. It's like where you have to start. And are you aligned with the core values? So the core values are the core values of the owner. They're not like accidental values or aspirational values. They're like the things that are true to me a hundred percent of the time. And you know, one of my core values is, is delighting others. So I do want to give people what they want. I do want to delight them. And, and you hit the nail on the head. JR, although he was a graphic designer, wanted to just do it his way. And, and, and if the client had a change, he would scoff at it and he would be combative and argumentative with me about making the change that the client requested. And so that is the opposite of delighting others. So, I mean, I won't go on, but, but we just weren't in alignment with our core values. And, you know, had I known now what I, had I known then what I know now, I mean, he, he wouldn't have been hired um, because the first and most important thing in the five-star employee rating system is making sure that an employee is aligned with, with your core values. And those core values, you need to not only list those core values, just like three to five, but you also need to have clarifying statements of exactly what you mean by that core value. So, so it's really crystal clear about the expectations of what delivering on that core value is. And, and, and you start talking about those core values in the job posting. 
So, mm. it, you know, I mean, that's going to attract the five-star employee for your organization because they're going to be like, oh my gosh, yes, this is me. This is, I love this. This is, this is, this is who I am. I want, this is the company I want to work for. Why? Because you're really aligned with the core values. Um, so, so you start with core values. How do you go about measuring that? Right. I know like it's a rating system. So I guess in my head, because I haven't seen or I haven't looked into the specific, you know, rubric or how it works and the mechanics of it. But how do you go about like I 100% I agree with you. I love it. But a challenge in a lot of like um, fit equations here of like of, of coming into this space and, and matching your values is that sometimes it's not as quantifiable as we want it to be. Yeah. So the core values, again, you know, when you start with, so the job posting is becomes that attraction and repelling factor. So you're going to attract the five-star employees who love everything that you're saying. And, and, you know, like in the job posting, you're going to list like here, here's how we measure success for the job. These are your three to five key responsibilities. And, and we need you to hit 98% financial accuracy. We need to hit have you hit 95% procedural accuracy. And we need for you to process 42 claims a day. Well, someone who doesn't want to be held accountable, someone who isn't like gamifying their work and such is going to look at that job posting and go, mm, I, this isn't for me. Cause I've got 20 other jobs out there that appear, I can just collect a paycheck. And so I'm going to apply to there, but for the five-star candidate who loves a challenge, who loves puzzles and things like that, this is going to attract them. And then, and they're going to really want this job because it's very clear and, and the expectations match with, with, with what they're aligned in. And then, so that's the first thing is like that, that attraction factor and the job posting and being very clear and upfront about the, about the core values. And then, and then over the course of, of what we call your hiring gauntlet, um, you know, the multiple touches and, and experiences you have with the candidate over your, your, your interview process and such will allow them to kind of demonstrate, do they live these core values? Is that something that I guess you prescribe as well? Like the, the process of interviewing and how to properly vet um, through these candidates or is it yeah. more about the upfront process of, of weeding them out? Well, it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's not one thing. It's the sum of all things. So, um, so, so through your process, um, I'll kind of go through, uh, the rest of the five-star employee rating system. And then, and then we'll talk about uh, the gauntlet, um, that, that you're using to, take people through and, and evaluate them in the five-star employee rating system. So the first criteria, as I mentioned, is alignment with core values. The second is uh, the what we've coined as the 11 universal qualities of a five-star employee. So we've identified 11 qualities that are just universal, no matter the role in a five-star employee. And um, two of them out of the 11 are coded green, which means they're relatively easy if someone's not meeting the minimal rating for that to coach them up on that. Two of them are also coded red, which means like those are red flags. If, if someone is, is, so the two that are red are limber and listen. So, you know, you, you, if, especially if you're a small business, you need your employees to be limber. You need them to be able to change 
pivot, do whatever you need to do because you're a small business and, and that's kind of the nature of, of small businesses. And then uh, you need them to listen <laughs> and they need to be an active listener. They need to listen with all their senses. They need to be observing. They need to really be paying attention. They need to be taking notes. They need to be doing all those things. And so if someone's not demonstrating that um, in your process, then you know those red flags come up and, and that's where they stop in your process. Uh, and then the, the other um, seven are, are coded gray, which means if they're not meeting the minimal acceptable rating that you have for each of those qualities, well, you know, can you coach them up on it? Are you going to go all in on them and help them get better in, in those qualities? Because it's possible, but it just requires some, some intention and, and coaching on your part with the employee. And, you know, I, back in March, I had an interview with a candidate and, uh, we were only a couple minutes into the interview and I'm like, she's not answering my questions. So then I was like, let me just kind of ask a little slower, a little, just not a complex question. And she still was not answering the questions. And so at the five and a half minute mark, I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to cut this short. Um, I think we're good. Uh, and, and I just don't think that this is going to be the right role for you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Cause the red flag was there. She, she didn't listen. Um, and so, so the second criteria is the 11 qualities of a five-star employee. The third criteria are the aptitudes and skills specific to the role. So, so there's about almost 30 aptitudes. Um, and so the aptitudes that you need for a role are going to vary from role to role. And so you need to identify which aptitudes you need for the role. And then you're going to ask questions and be able to give a rating on those that, that candidate's aptitude that's needed for the role. And you're also going to test them on their skills. So, you know, I mean, so many companies are higher bookkeepers, for example, because someone says, oh, yeah, I, I can do bookkeeping. I'm a bookkeeper but there's no certification for bookkeeping. Anyone can call themselves a bookkeeper. I can call myself a bookkeeper, uh, but you have, it's so important to test for the skills that you need for, for, for the role. Uh, the fourth criteria are the success metrics. So you need to define the three to five key responsibilities. These responsibilities are, are what is driving the revenue. And, um, and then what are the success metrics? How are you going to measure that person being successful with that responsibility? So, for example, um, in one of our businesses, we have um, people that process long-term care claims. And so, uh, you know, as part of that, that job and how we measure their success is they have to hit 98% financial accuracy, 95% procedural accuracy, and they need to be processing 42 claims a day. Those are the success metrics for being a claims examiner. And then the fifth criteria are, is return on payroll. So you need to make sure that the, the, the employee's value in the organization, what they're getting paid, produces a 3x return on payroll uh, because uh, you, you need to stay profitable so that you can grow your business and, and be sustainable. And that's kind of like where we've gotten to in, in addressing this topic about recruiting and hiring because most businesses, especially with 10 or more employees, a million dollars or more in real revenue, struggle with their profitability and, and, and that, that struggle is in their payroll because they have too many one, two, and three-star employees because it takes two or three, one, two, or three-star employees to do the work of one five-star employee for the same rate. So why pay two average ho-hum or worse employees $50,000 a year each 
So that's costing you $100,000 when if you would just hire one five-star employee, you could pay that person $50,000 a year. So now you're saving 50%. On, on on payroll for that role because you because you because you only you never settle for less than a five star employee. All that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to zoom in a little bit. Out of all sure. those things, they all sounded very practical and they all sounded. I love it. I'm zooming in. Obviously, my bias towards the the love as a business strategy branded thing parts that I'm hearing, and I want to know more about. Um, you know, once these five, like everything you described about a five-star employee sounds magical on paper, obviously if they're fitting, they're bringing you profit, they're doing the job, right. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and then you had this added component of like, I think a lot of the, the businesses I've worked with that we've seen and a lot of the, the problems that we set out to, to solve stem from people who again, who haven't done this rating system or haven't actually passed the five stars. So I don't know what kind of, how many stars they are, but um, it would seem on paper, a lot of them would would pass some of these, uh, I wouldn't say all of them, but pass many of these these metrics, even, even when it comes to the red flags, right? Like listening, some of them are very good at listening. Some of them are very good at um, being, I think, pliable. I don't remember the word you used. Yeah, um, limber. Limber, sorry. That's good. Um, but but then I think conflicts arise. I think people become people. I think humans yeah. in pressure situations have often um, a, maybe not a different side, but a real side that comes through mm-hmm. um, that isn't always captured in, I won't say the five-star, but just in any um, kind of initial, a lot of the pain points we hear all the time is that, you know, everyone was hired, you know, as the best person for the role, but you put them all together. Um, I'll use a, an example is, and I won't use a specific example, but we, um, we work with a lot of nonprofits. And mm-hmm. I think nonprofits are interesting because I think for many of them, they check that first box right away. Like people mm-hmm. who come to work at nonprofits really love the mission. They have strongly the company's values usually right there in their crosshairs Mm -hmm. so it's usually a check check right there um but shockingly some nonprofits have some of the kind of most uh, just bluntly say kind of toxic cultures Mm -hmm. within their workspace Mm -hmm. because everyone's so focused on kind of this mission this doing good outside the walls that nobody's kind of examining and working on how they treat each other and mm-hmm. they become barrier they become barriers and obstacles to their own kind of objectives and goals exactly um, i don't know the specific question i'm getting to with all that um but what are your thoughts on i guess the the kind of cultural aspect um of five-star employees and, and how they fit together yeah for sure so couple of different ways to come at this because I promise I would talk about the gauntlet. So, you know, what's interesting is um, most, a lot of people, let's, I'm going to put a number to this, 90% of businesses hire people based off of one interview. They make a Mm -hmm. decision based off of one interview. Um, And, and, and so you've spent 
maybe 30, 45 minutes, an hour with someone. And, and, and now you're going to, you're going to basically adopt them into your family. Um, yeah. and, and just based off of, you know, showing up and, and being, you know, answering, answering the questions, how, how, you know, someone can show up and, and, and kind of fake it for an hour. Um, so that is why we suggest having a hiring gauntlet and the hiring gauntlet actually starts, um, with the application and taking an assessment. So um, we have, uh, we utilize an assessment that objectively um, identifies, you know, what is needed for the role. And so you create a, a benchmark in terms of like the personality, the, 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 um, the, the preferences of the person, their work styles, et cetera. And then um, for each role, you, 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 you create a benchmark. So when someone takes the assessment, you bump it up against that benchmark. And if they score 70% or higher against that benchmark, they move on to the next phase. If they don't score 70%, um, then they don't move on. But here's the kicker. Most people who apply don't even take the assessment, it, even though it's it's clearly stated in the job posting, you know, within 24 hours, please take this assessment. The assessment will be sent to you immediately upon your application and, and the majority of people don't don't do it. So right there, you're sort of weeding out the the, the people. And, and at that point, the people who score 70% or higher are typically, it ends up being about 20, 25% of the total applicants. Then the next stage in, in, in our gauntlet is to do a screening interview. So we do like a 20, 30 minute interview. Um, it's kind of a standard interview. You know, we're talking to them about their resume, their positions, you know, just kind of getting to know them and such. And, and we have like specific questions that we ask and we have objectives that we're looking for. And so um, from there, if they pass that, um, then we'll usually give them some sort of testing. And then if they pass the testing, you know, we're putting do the skills work, et cetera. Then we take them into a deeper dive interview where we're asking pointed questions to help us um, evaluate them on the 11 qualities. And we're asking them very specific and pointed questions on evaluating them on the aptitudes needed for the role. Then if they make it past that, um, there might be some more skills testing, uh, but, but we have a shadow day. And the shadow day is really that you know, you're, you're pretty sure that you're going to make this person an offer and you can do shadow days in person and you can do them virtually. And so it's really important for that person to kind of experience what a day in the life is like of, of being in this role and such. And so, you know, we invite people to go with us to client meetings on Zoom or in person. Um, we, we break bread together. We have lunch together. And, and I'll say this, we had a candidate one, we, and these, this is make or break too. So I'll tell you about two experiences with candidates who did in-person shadow days with our construction material supply business. And um, one person was in the, um, gosh, uh, commercial, uh, commercial real estate, or oh, property management. It was in property management and was like, I want to get into construction, like exciting, fun, different. So, um, okay, great. We took him through our process. He got to the point where it was time for shadow day. We pay people for their shadow day. Like it's, it's their time. Um, and, and he actually came for, for two days. Uh, and, and on the second day he said, you know what, this is not for me. I thought this is what I wanted, but I think I'm going to stay in, in property management. And it's like, great. Like it costs me, I don't know, 200 bucks. And, um, and, and if I would have hired him, 
he would have made, you know, probably $20,000 in payroll over, you know, three months or so, four months. And then he would have left and because he would have hated the job and spent all that time of me paying him for three months looking for another job um, because he wouldn't have loved it. So it's really important. You know, you talk about love factor, you know, do they love your culture? Do they, are they going to really love what they're doing by spending a day in the life of, of doing it? And we had another candidate who, um, you know, came in and uh, we, you know, had lunch together like we do. And, you know, at the end of the day, she's just like, because this office is in an industrial area, not many places to go out to eat, et cetera, small office. So everyone eats lunch together in the break room. And, you know, her, her thing was like, so does everyone eat lunch together every day? And I was like, yeah, they, they do. They, they enjoy each other. They look forward to it. And that was a deal breaker for her. She's like, mm. then I don't think this is for me. I, I kind of like prefer to just kind of keep to myself and, um, and so it's just like, okay, well, this is, yeah, this is, not, this is not a fit. So, you know, it, it takes going through this gauntlet and, and, and at this point, you know, they've passed everything else from an objective standpoint now, like, let's put, let's, let's, the, let them test drive it, let them experience it and, and see if it really is a fit. Um, because a lot of companies, um, I, I have someone on our team who I recruited and hired in May and um, she was not at her previous position for very long um, because she said it was like a bait and switch. They said, oh, our culture is great and da, 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 and all this stuff. But when she, you know, actually took the job and experienced for the first time, she felt it was a bait and switch. It was like, it was not what they portrayed their culture to be at all. It was like, this is, was an aspirational maybe of what they'd like their culture to be, but it wasn't, it wasn't reality. So, you know, by taking people through a gauntlet, by spending time and, and investing and going all in on your candidates will really, you know, pay off at the end, because would you, would you rather sp spend a couple hundred bucks to let someone test drive the job versus trying to force them into, you know, into taking the job and then them not really being happy in your culture or in the position or what they're doing. And, you know, now you're paying them for three months, you're training them. They're not super productive in those first couple of months when they're learning the job and such only for them to like be looking for a job that whole time while you're paying them. And then once they find that job, they're off and now you're back to square one. That makes a lot of sense. I love the gauntlet. I think it makes, I think everybody should be doing that for sure. Um, and, it, and it definitely gives the, you know, more so than the company, the confidence to hire the candidate. But like you mentioned, it gives the candidate the confidence that they are making the right choice and not getting bait and switched um, at the same time. Yeah. And uh, can I say something else about kind of the, 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 the love concept there? Um, you've got to, you've got to love wanting to have employees as well. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people out of hiring. <laughs> Um, because their attitude is like, Oh, I don't want employees. And it's like, well, <laughs> if you don't want employees, um, then, 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 then don't bother having employees because, you know, if you have five-star employees, you've basically worked yourself out of a job because you've got people who are doing the work better than you and they're taking the ball and they're running with it. Um, and so then I think, you know, one of my friends said, oh, I've worked myself out of a job. I was like, no, you've worked yourself into the best job because now you can just love and nurture and take care of your people and go all in on them. And when you do that, they'll go all in on you. I love that. And, and I think 
so much of what's required for for success and especially um, building the right environment is that mindset. It is kind of how leaders, owners, entrepreneurs, managers come to the table. And I love that you keep saying, go all in on the candidate because that requires that mindset of being like, I'm, I'm in it to, to get this done right. And I want to do that with, and that requires a mindset of, you know, it can't be begrudgingly. It can't be tedious. It has to be something that you're truly invested in, passionate in. So I love it. And, 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 and the other thing about the, about the process too, is that, um, you, you, you have to be really cognizant of if someone applied for the job, of course they wanted, they want the job. Why would they apply to like, not get the job? So people tend to like say things that, you know, to to get the job because they don't want to be rejected. But if you really care about people, then you need to make sure that you're not making a mishire, that you're not giving someone a job that is is not going to work out. Because I can tell you, I wasn't showing up my like I should never hire Jr. I wasn't showing up as my best. Like it was it was painful. Like so, you know, I should have done a better vetting process. I should have had a gauntlet. I should have put him through the five star employee rating system. Um, and and then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made that hiring mistake. Um, and uh, and it, it's better to do it on on the on the front end than have someone come into the organization. Um, and and so you've got to be tough on on yourself, and you have to be tough on on candidates, so that you don't you you don't set them up for disappointment or you don't make a mistake. Tough love, as I always say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Danielle, before we part ways, first of all, thank you so much. But also, can you share um, where people can reach you, what they, where they can learn more? Talk about, uh, just remind us of uh, your book and your upcoming book. Can you just tell us a little bit of that stuff? So actually, you can kind of get a, a preview. I know I, I rambled on and through um, the, the five-star employee rating system, um, and we didn't touch on all of the 11 universal qualities of a five-star employee. So if you text never settle as one word, never settle, to 411321. So never settle, text that to 411321. Then you can get um, the how the five-star employee uh, guide or the guide on how to hire five-star employees. Um, sorry, messed that up. But, uh, but where we outline the 11 qualities and you can see it and you can go over it um, of yourself. So that is probably the best way to, to get in touch with me. And then there's a link there if you, if you want to uh, if you want to chat, I'm, I'm such a nerd about this subject. So I take lots of conversations. Absolutely. I think that sounds like an amazing resource. I do wish we had more time to cover all of that, but I hope everybody will take advantage of uh, that really generous offer. So Danielle, thank you for being so gracious with your time and joining me today. I learned a lot. I think there's a lot to think about um, or rethink and relearn about um, how we are considering our candidates. So I I truly appreciate all the insight you brought today. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers to going all in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to the listeners. Of course, as always, be sure to check out Danielle's book and be on the lookout for, I guess it's quite a ways away, over a year away, but but for the the second book. But um, while you're waiting, check out her current book and our book, of course, Love is a Business Strategy. Um, available everywhere and subscribe rate the podcast if you haven't other than that we'll see everybody next week